Aw, I'm all sappy today. You are. I've had a really hard day. I'm sorry. Oh, well. I'm... Are you sure you want to talk about 9-11 tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's pretend there's a really big glass of menage a trois in front of me. Welcome to the podcast where old friends get together to bare their souls. Laugh so hard they almost pee themselves. And talk about all the stuff that makes life worth living. And some things that don't. It's It's, let's let's get get a a drink drink sometime. My aunt is my my deceased mom's sister. Um, You know, we haven't been able to spend a lot of time together because I've been globetrotting and I've never lived locally. So yeah, it's been really nice. You know, she was with me the day that my mom died and was supportive of the days after that. 9-11 was my mom's wake day. So, you know, everyone has a where were you? And she was trying to get to me trying to get to my family so we could have my mom's wake that night. You know, my mom died on the 6th of September and she you know, she had been sick for a while. She had ovarian cancer and my mom and dad also were getting divorced simultaneously, which is like a whole oh, wow. other thing. Yeah, I mean, the divorce started before she was diagnosed with cancer. And okay. then I don't think that, as my dad says, they never thought she'd die. So they just thought to continue. Wait, Bitterness. Why did, why did it, they think she would die? They didn't think she was going to die. So they just continued to go through the divorce process. And it was all oh, for, oh, for what? Okay. Because eventually she was not going to make it. And I think mm. that they, it was really hard for them, I think, to realize that, you know, and rather than persist in what they each wanted in their lives. And, you know, they there's lawyers and it was really confusing. And I think divorce can be made ever complicated when you put more cooks in the kitchen. And, and I think there was that. And I think there was a lot of anger. And, hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm going through divorce. I try every day to not have this. Um, some days are harder than others. But I, I keep trying to march forward because I remember what my parents went through and, you know, how the impact that happened with my kids. So, like, technically, my parents were divorced, like, a month just before she died. So, like, oh, there's a $40,000 divorce for you, at least. All to end up with um, finality. Right. And that was really hard. I just remember at 9-11 waking up to a phone call from my dad saying, I don't think tonight's going to happen. And then me sort of, I had... Friends with me, I had Nina was with me, I had another friend, Sarah, with me. And I remember just the hysteria. I think we were sort of stunned. And in the next breath, we were sort of trying to find ways to cope, you know, as early 20-year-olds eating a lot of food and just sort of pacing. But I just, I, I remember the priest, this isn't where you had cell phones, you could join calls. So I had a priest on one ear and my dad on the other and just trying to coordinate how we were going to do it. And so many calls from family and friends, like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? And, you know, this was like early on where we didn't know that that there was going to be another plane or there was going to be, you know, we thought that it was a mistake. You know, there was that time period right. where we thought. It was just an accident. It was an accident, like a really yeah. unfortunate accident. I remember that, yeah. Not from your perspective or from my perspective. I remember. No, give it from your perspective. Go ahead. Like, we can link back in with me after that. I remember, so, I remember getting a phone call because I was, 
I was in college, the little short stint of college I did. My mom called me on the phone and said, hey, are you awake? And I was like, you know, you woke me up. And she says, you need to go turn on the television. And I went into the living room and I turned the television on. And I, it was, it was after the first plane hit. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that, that whole confusion of like, okay, this is an accident or, you know, there's just a lot of confusion. And then the second plane hit and then it was like, oh, no. Hysteria. Yeah. Like this is no accident. Like right. something else is going on right now. Right. And, you know, I think that I remember my aunt saying that she, and we talked about it this morning, I remember her saying, I feel like we're under attack. I feel like we're under attack. I just remember that voice coming through the phone. Was this before the second plane or the first one? The second plane, like right after, because she was, you couldn't get, she was in Long Island. She couldn't get off the island. And like every, because everything's shut, you know? Yeah. Uh, like we lived in McLean, Virginia, which is not terribly far from the Pentagon, and you could feel like shutters. I was going to ask about that because you lived in an area of the country where the reason your dad called you is because, like, oh wait, there's like a national security thing going on, but at the same time, your mom died. Right. Right. And, yeah. Right. That's what and I was going to bring up for the audience. It's like, no, she lived in an area where it's like, oh wait. Everything stops. Everything. I mean, the thing about D.C., and I'm, I'm sure that all of our listeners have had access to D.C. <laughs> sure. Everything Everything is high security everywhere. It's an area where people think they're more important than maybe they are. And if they are important, they, they probably are. And, you know, you don't know what half the people do because they either work for the government or a contractor of the government. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of a lot of personality or creativity in in these sectors. Um, I mean, obviously, D.C. has some creativity to it. Um, but I think, you know, we were just watching everything shut down. So suddenly schools were closed. Like, how do you get home? You can't take this road. You can't take this road. Right. And, you know, to go into that, it looked like my mom was in the army. She was in the reserve and she was entitled to be buried at Arlington Cemetery. Oh, wow. But, yeah. And from that moment, the burial went from like three weeks to like four months. It was something ridiculous. Oh, holy shit. And I just remember crying to my aunt and my sisters saying, we cannot wait that long. We right. cannot wait that long. And so there was a contingency plan. Um, and for her burial, we had, you know, a procession, you know, from a Catholic church in McLean all the way in Alexandria. It was quite far. And there's only one road you can take, which is the George Washington Parkway. It's a very scenic view. It's right along the Potomac. It's beautiful. And that was closed because you have to go right next to the Pentagon to mm. to drive through. And they opened the road for my mom, which is the most amazing thing that's I think ever been done for us because we had a police escort and everyone was, it was really well, you know, my dad's a judge and I don't know if someone recognized that or I don't know what facilitated, you know, that process, but, you know, got us there. But we were the only ones on what is normally a very, very busy, active road. And 
you know, you go through this like very leafy, green, hilly, moderately kind of, it's not a straight road. You know, you kind of twist and turn a little bit. And then it opens up as you get closer to DC through this major highway called 395. And the segue to that is dead on to the Pentagon. And I always said, and I've said it before, I think on here, and I'll say it for the rest of my life. I just don't think in the version of this life where my mom was alive, that 9-11 would have happened because she was enough energy (laughs) presence to like prevent it all. I just can't see a plan where my mom was alive and 9-11 did happen. And, you know, as we're going from church to burial site, we are headed right to the Pentagon. Like it's right on our left and it's still essentially burning days later. Still smoke, still rubble. Still, Holy crap. There's no, there's nothing intact there. It's just a shambles and a mess. And it's sad and it's scary. I just remember thinking all the pieces of the puzzle could never be put back together ever again. You know, it was like the world looked like that and I looked like that inside. And it is horrific absolutely horrific and I it changed my whole life and I I think I said this on the first episode because I just needed to know like why would anyone want to do this and I pursued my life to understand it a little bit better driving past that pentagon to get to the burial site I just was like where are we going the world is changing and I think you know without a shadow of a doubt it's changed ever since then I think that in some ways we're more together, but in other ways we're more reactive. Definitely. And we're still living in that society today because we've seen such detriment and now that detriment is acceptable. And every 9-11 that comes by, I did not do it this year. And maybe I'll just say it here. Like I'm always encouraging people to talk more and to be less reactive and to communicate more before you pick up your gun before you throw your fist before you because like i think i mean if you're at all human you have the ability to talk through anything Uh, that's you you brought up one thing that i was thinking about today is it's been 19 years since Mm 9-11 and I, i had the same feeling like oh this is this is a big deal this this changes a lot and then not to be pessimistic, but I, I look at the world today and not a lot has changed. Yeah. But the, the 9-11 thing, I wish we would have learned more from that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, mean, I think we're, I think, I mean, first of all, I'll say this, like next year, will be the 20th year and I will be yeah. 40. So I will have lived half of my life since 9-11, since my mom. And I don't know how I would have, I don't know how I live a day without her. I, I just don't know. She was my person in this world. And you want people to learn from it. And I think in some ways, Americans are more compassionate. But I also think that as you know, people of the world, we're just very short-sighted. So, like, we remember, yeah. but, like, you know, I think that there's there's a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw a meme around, like, you know, change. And it's, like, you need to do more 
than just say and send condolences. And, you know, I think that we get stuck in that because it's like, well, we don't know what to do. We have no idea. And, I mean, I see it in our political climate. There's a lot of things that aren't right, and we know we're not doing it right. But we don't know how to change it because the momentum is going this way. Right. And, I mean, I suffer with that, I think, as well. Like, I just... I want different and I see a lot of people doing different and I support them. And I think that we have a lot more doing different than we've had ever, you know, with like the black lives movement and, you know, equal rights. And, you know, we're trying, we're desperately trying, we're grasping and all we can do is keep going. I think I just struggle to see where I fit in that equation. I think it's my responsibility. Like happiness is my responsibility and food for my, myself and my kids is my responsibility I have to create time and space for it. I'm giving, I guess I'm giving myself a system of checks and balances. Um, hey, the, but the I'm checks acknowledging and balances it. Balances is good, yeah. I, you know, I need to do more. I know I need to do more. I don't know if I'll ever say I've done enough. Um, I think that's part of me. Life. Yeah, yeah. You can't just say, oh, you know, I donated today. We need to keep making this world better and safer and sustainable for our relationships, our families, our friends. Like, what does this world look like in 100 years? What does it look like in 50 years? What does it look in 15? Because ever since 9-11, we've been going at a very accelerated pace. And, you know, COVID has slowed things down for sure, but we need to continue to be introspective. I think this is one of those times where I wish I lived where you lived because I live in the South. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you want to go into that? I, I hope the rest of our audience laughs at that. I mean, I laugh because I know you and I know what you're like. <laughs> And, like, I don't know how you do it, you know what I mean? Like, to be have it be thrown in your face Yeah. all the time. I don't, I don't I mean... know how to do it So my wife and I, we went out to eat tonight. And the, the if, if anyone listened to last week's episode, Angela and I are, are currently in between houses. And I'm living at my mom's house while our, our house is being built and blah, blah, blah. It's my old high school home. It's very weird moving back, but it's, it's Lawrenceville, Georgia, and Lawrenceville has changed a magnitude since I've lived here. There's like restaurants downtown and, and bars and breweries and just all sorts of stuff. I'm still, I still live in the South and there's still a lot of racism and a lot of anti-masks and anti-science and, and you know, just so much anti-stuff that it, it's it's sometimes mind-boggling but we were outside the restaurant and i looked up and there was a dodge ram which is a very sort of dare i say redneck car mm-hmm. or redneck mm-hmm. truck and it had a ginormous black lives matter flag flying from the back of it go and Seeing a Black Lives Matter flag flying through downtown Lawrenceville was amazing. It was it was eye opening. It was like, oh wow, people actually give a shit around here now. Mm-hmm. I was floored, and so it, it's just it's. That's awesome to hear. 
Yeah. Especially living where I live. That's awesome. That's really, I mean, I think it's gone both ways. I think there's a lot of people that have come out of the woodwork. You know, they we pulled up the corners of the rugs and, you know, the shit underneath the rugs have come out. And you just like, mm-hmm. go back under. Go back under. Don't show your face. You're not legitimized. You're, you don't belong here. But then there's also the response to it is, hey, listen, we're still here too. Yeah. And I do get concerned about that because not unlike 9-11, I do pay, I mean, it's my, my academic background. I do pay special attention to pre-patterns of conflict and I get nervous, you know, being in the U.S. sometimes because this is an incredibly dynamic place. Yeah. You don't want it to erupt, but you want change. And, and what does that look like? Well, I, I, I hope it doesn't look like one side of the spectrum, and I hope it looks yeah. a lot like the other side. <clears throat> if it makes you feel better, I'm a six foot six, very white dude <laughs> who is also very scared. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm definitely not a fighter. I, I'm, you know, that, that old saying, I'm a lover, not a fighter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll throw bows when I need to. Right. <laughs> but no, I, I'm, I'm the same way. It's the world is kind of messed up right now and you got to do what you got to do, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope it's not like that. I think more compassion, more dialogue, just like after yeah. 9-11, after that moment that you realize that second plane really drilled in. Right. Know? And the third and the fourth, like, that it was not an accident, that we were, in fact, being attacked. And a very simplistic view, and I know it's oversimplifying it, because I know there's a lot of dynamics when you look at, like, the Middle East and um, motivations and things like that. And I have been to the Middle East, and I've I've studied there, and I, I absolutely love it. I Like, I've been to Jordan, and... I've spent a, uh, like a summer in Amman. It is a very special, special place to me. I wanted to go to Syria. That's not going to happen, but I almost did. <laughs> and I know that I'll be back to the Middle East for sure in my lifetime. Some of my closest friends are Muslims. My daughter is her, her middle name is Arabic, which means Nor, which is Nor, which means light. Um, it's after Queen Nor. Yeah, I mean the Middle East holds like a really big place in my heart for its graciousness and its beauty. Like, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it in this world. If you can get there, anyone could see it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, dialogue, 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 dialogue. No guns, no violence. Talk, 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 talk. Don't yeah. be so quick to move. Just talk to each other. That's all we need to do. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and be willing to compromise. I mean, we all lose out in some way. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. There's no, there's no way for anyone to wholly win at anything, you know, yeah. from a small issue between your nope. family to a big issue in, you know, a country. It's all. Yeah. It sounds pretty woo-woo, but you know, like no one <laughs> wholly wins, <laughs> ever. Yeah. My my wife, she has a an aunt and uncle who live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and. <clears throat> Um, we're all white. Um, yeah, we're all pretty white. Um, but her uncle is... Sorry. <laughs> we're all white. We're all white. I, I'm, I'm, I'm... 
Never mind. I'm going to talk about that later. Okay. Um, yeah. So, but no, her aunt Julie married Uncle Mamoon. Ooh. Yeah. Mamoon is super awesome. I love these people. And it's it's always interesting because her family tends to be very Republican. Mm-hmm. And I am not. Mm-hmm. Um, My family is as well. Yeah. But you are not. No, I am not. Yeah. Somehow they um, tolerate me, but <laughs> any any time we go to Louisiana, uh, are we, we going to go see Aunt Julie and Uncle Mamoon? Uncle uh, Mamoon's from Damascus. Oh, okay. They're Islamic. Mm-hmm. Ju- Julie converted. Oh, lovely. And Mamoon is very, but but like I've I've literally heard this man say, relig- it's the old." Um, I can't remember who said it. I'm sure one of our audience members can comment somewhere. Religion is the opiate of the masses, mm-hmm. which is very interesting to me. It's like you have a very religious man saying this, but mm-hmm. I think I think at the same time it's it's the more liberal view of religion. I mean, I think it's just looking at it like a very humanistic humanistic way. Like, yeah, I say to people, I'll pray for that, you know, and I'm not very mm-hmm. religious, but like a prayer is a hope that you think about again and again and again. Um, sure. And so it, it motivates you, you know, and, and puts things to action. Like by very definition, that's a prayer. It doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, when yeah. people started to pray, we weren't looking at it you know, looking directly at a Bible. People were praying. People were hoping again and again and again. And I pray every day because I want for myself, for my kids, for my family, and <laughs> survival, all the things. Right. Um, and, yeah, you know, I think it's kind of like that. Yeah. No, I got Yeah, that makes sense. But, yeah, so you, you've, you've been to the Middle East. You study there and... Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't. I'm not as well traveled as you are, but I, I do have Uncle Mamoon. There you go. And Uncle Mamoon is an amazing individual, and it's it's really interesting because in the South after 9/11, mm-hmm. there was a huge backlash. Yeah. yeah. Against Muslims. Yeah. And I mean, like that. I'm not, we're not going to talk about the South. We can do a whole episode on that, but. Oh, let's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my direct experience with someone from that area who literally was born and raised, moved here at an older age. He's an awesome dude, like totally awesome. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't, you know, <sighs> You get into politics and radicalism and and stuff like that, and what it what it really boils down to is we're all just human beings. Yep. And we have an idea of how the world works. Yep. And some people, you have uber Christians and and Muslims and I don't know Jainists. That's a, that's a joke. Um, <laughs> But everyone in all sorts of religious factions can be violent and overbearing, but to categorize people from the action of radicals is just dumb. Yeah. 
and Mamoon is is my shining example mm. of that because yeah. he's he's just a solid dude. So I don't know. I don't even know how he got. Which all is representative to like next to ninety nine percent of people right. in the Middle East that are Muslim or not. Right. You know. Or people that look like they would, you know, like there was such a, you know, I have like an Indian friend and she was told to go back to Iraq, I think they said. And it's like, stop it. (laughs) Just stop. If you have, if you have the ability to say that to someone, then those people are probably incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a... I think it is our job to continue to be and to, to try to be better versions for ourselves and the next people and view ourselves as equal to the next people, the people that are next, that we're next to. And I think that that in of itself is sort of the lesson in 9-11 is that, you know, I think that's the message. It's one for all. All for one? No. <laughs> <laughs> We are not the three musketeers. <laughs> are we? As like no. representative of the world? We No. All 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 for one, one for all. Yeah, I mean half of that is really awesome. Mm-hmm. The other the half, other half. Is, The other half is capitalism, which just <laughs> shits on people. So, <laughs> whether we like it or not, well, yeah, I mean, these are <laughs> societal issues, bigger conversations. Uh, Holy shit. Yeah. All right. So, I guess we're going to end it there. I have to edit out like half of this because I'm We've drunk. waffled along. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, that was awesome. Yeah. Agreed. I loved hearing about you and your mom. Thank you. Abrupt no. ending now. I know, right? <laughs> Abrupt ending. That's what we do. That's what we do. I hope everyone has a good night, and I hope everyone remembered where you were on 9-11. Remember, and... remember the 11th of September. Wow, that's almost blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fine. <clears throat> it's fine until it isn't. we're gonna edit this out this whole thing it's gone probably not all right definitely um have a good night everyone we will talk to you soon yep for sure if you like what you hear please subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend about us give us a review on apple Podcasts and google play to let others know what other people are missing out on be sure to follow us on facebook and instagram at let's get a drink sometime Thanks for spending time with us. Come back and check us out again. We'll see you around.